Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenashe. I am a conduit, a coach, and a catalyst who launches humanity into greatness by accelerating mindset changes and replacing limitations with possibilities. And today's episode is actually titled Breakthrough, and we're going to be talking about mental health and really just kind of breaking through to a better you. And self-care, taking care of your mental health, um, things that we've learned that have helped us do that. And my guest today is Malik Deirdre. So say hi to the people. How are you doing? Thanks for having me today. Oh, you're you're welcome. Thanks for being on. And so, um, you know, I never really thought I would be in the mental health space. Um, I've been an educator for 27 years. I'm going to retire, you know, soon. Um, and then I ended up in this space with performing and um, doing a lot of shows that were really about stress relief and about trying to get people to de-stress, self-care. And then, you know, I wrote a guided journal trying to help people de-stress and self-care and, and reflect on, on their mental health. Um, so how did you kind of get involved in this mental health space it, it took me probably 10 years to kind of discover what I really wanted to do. And as a kid, I always desired to be a pediatrician. You know, we all have that, that long-term goal when we're kids, but it took for myself to kind of realize what I was dealing with and how hard it is to actually deal with um, certain mental health illnesses, I'm sorry. And once I kind of got rooted deeper into what it was and how it was affecting the black community, I knew that's what my calling was. It was something I had to put 110% into for myself, you know, to be able to help others. So it shifted um, dramatically, uh, drastically, I'm sorry, dramatically, it, it shifted drastically. So again, I, I wanted to be a doctor, but then it kind of shifted to, you know, more help where I could be more out in the community, be able to provide the services that we need. Okay, and, and life has a way of shifting our focus. Um, you know, I like I said, I never thought that I would be in this space, but it's needed. Um, and I know that as black people, we are kind of uh, pushed to suck it up and be strong and tough it out and never let them see you sweat, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but we we have to learn how to be vulnerable and to avail ourselves of services that are there. You know, um, I know that when I was, okay, let's go back 1999, maybe a little bit before that was the first time that I actually went into therapy and um, it was very helpful. It helped me clarify, you know, the title of this episode is breakthrough. And sometimes what I found for myself is that there are times when life for me gets muddled and I can't see clearly. And I can't, when I can't see clearly, I can't make good decisions. And so for me, part of my mental health was going into therapy and having therapy help me clarify what I was feeling, what I was thinking, what tools were available to deal with what I was thinking and feeling. Um, and then in a sense, helping me break through those barriers that I was finding myself stuck behind, whether it was emotions or grief or stress. Um, I found myself 
when I heard someone else look at my situation and say, this is what I see. This is what I see you doing. And they kind of mirrored back to me my patterns and my, my triggers and then said, OK, these are some tools that have been helpful for people, you know, whether it was giving me books. I've had a lot of therapists give me books, mm-hmm. having me journal, um, doing guided meditations or relaxation techniques or breathing techniques. You know, those are all things that I incorporate quite a bit in my life now. Um, and teach now, even though um, I teach it as kind of a, a lay person, you know, a person who, okay, I'm gonna show you what worked for me. So right. take what works for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so um, I see that you work with youth. I work with youth too. And you became a youth mental health first aid uh, person. So what, what does that actually kind of mean? Um, so it actually happened before the whole book drop. I kind of fell into this whole, you know, mental health advocacy thing kind of before the book came out. So I attended a class and uh, the youth mental health first ed is pretty much to help parents or even teachers or community leaders to be able to recognize certain behaviors um, that's, you know, changing in certain people. You know, you work with kids. I work with kids and we see how kids shift, their behavior shift and it can be so quick. Um, so the, the first day certification class pretty much helped us um, be aware of those um, motions or mood swings and those changes in kids as well as how to, you know, approach a kid that's dealing with um, depression or, you know, a suicidal thought or anything is, you know, like that. So um, we kind of spent eight hours, four hours each day, you know, training in class with other adults to kind of, you know, again, be able to approach without, you know, judgments or anything as such. So at the end of the class, we became certified and the certification is about three to four years, I believe. And I think it's the same with adults. So it's it's good. I want to do more with it. I believe I kind of want to go as far as even being like a therapist as well. So this is just that part for me as well. Okay. And you mentioned um, the book. What is the title of your book and, and what is it about? First book I released in 2020, it, it was called or entitled Course 28, A Memoir of Mental Health. It was pretty much a tell-all of my life dealing with mental health um, relating to my life in foster care and um, physical and mental abuse going through as well. And then just my life going up until, you know, my life at the age of 28 at the time. Um, so then I created kind of more of a two years later to, you know, kind of tell people that it doesn't stop it's not easy to get over so i wrote another one and i released that probably four days ago and that's entitled course 28 it continues it's just a bonus chapters i would say it's my deluxe you know where i went through that phase of releasing the book telling my stories and my my traumas and it it pretty much tells what happens up until this release because i had been through a lot of um you know issues, illnesses, dealing with my mental health, suicidal thoughts as well. So I figured, you know, just to get the book back out there, I will give my readers something else that they can relate to. Um, So I created the second book. It continues um, again, just to show it's not it's not what it is on the surface. It's really hard to deal with. And we all have we all have traumas that we deal with. So I'd rather speak on those. So we have and give people in our community things to relate to. Well, you know, it's 
interesting that you know you have traumas and you've turned those traumas into a book where you tell people what you went through and that as you said that you got through it but it still continues you know those there are some traumas that we deal with for the rest of our life they they kind of reoccur in terms of we still have scars or we still have flashbacks or we still have residual effects and there's some that we get over and we don't ever maybe have um, any of those lingering effects, you know? So it just depends on how deep the trauma is, what, what happened, when it happened, how it happened, you know, all those kind of things. So, um, and I think writing is, you know, I am a poet, I'm a spoken word artist, um, I'm an author. Writing is a great way to reflect and to encapsulate your story um, and where you were and how you move through those traumas and how you got to where you are now so that other people who may not have experienced the same traumas, they can relate to your story and they can learn from your story. And, you know, I really do believe a lot in the power of people telling their stories because I think that we're all human. And even though we may not have experienced the exact same thing, like I've never been in foster care, but um, I have been physically and, and mentally and sexually abused, you know, so I mean, I can relate to that aspect of there's, you know, abuse and traumas and triggers that happen, and then you have to deal with them. And, and I wrote a memoir also um, about the last seven years of my life and um, just really finding myself and, and coming out of divorce finding myself, finding my voice. Um, and I know that looking at kids, you know, kids and adults, but especially kids are trying to find their identity. And then they have these traumas that take away their security and take away their safety and help. It, it, it doesn't help them to find that identity. Um, so how did you, I guess, coming out of the foster care system where you probably didn't have a lot of structure in terms of like a secure, safe environment. Um, how did you kind of find yourself and your security? What, what kind of helped you? I can't say really, because I didn't find that in myself most definitely until about six months ago and I'm 30. Um, and I, I can come out and say it, honestly, it took me a very long time, even coming out of the system, you know, being adopted around the age of probably nine or 10. Um, I struggled alone by myself for about 10, 15 years after that. So it took me to about mid twenties to kind of get more into what I was feeling myself, um, as far as depression, again, and suicidal thoughts and just the whole spectrum of what mental illness is. Um, so after a while, it, it became kind of a ro ro rotating door for me because being in the dark so much, that's all I knew after a while. And after that kind of failed to last year, I kind of got to that point where I was like, maybe I could shift, you know, give my mind something more positive to think about, you know, instead of dwelling on. And, and to be honest, this second book here is for me it was for me to close that chapter of 20 years of going through 
this, this, and that. And, you know, I, I got to that point where I told myself, like, you can't do this to yourself anymore. You've been living through it too long and it hasn't kind of created any betterment for yourself. So after a while, I did take that shift and I had to tell myself, it's about that time. You have kids, it, it's that time for you to be able to teach them. So you have to be able to come out that darkness, especially when you have kids. And I can't say honestly now, that's what it was. You know, for me to be able to deliver as a father to them, I had to be able to get out of my funk and let everything go that happened before yesterday. And if it wasn't helping me then, it's not helping me now. So I let it go. So it took me about six months. I even found God, um, spent my life not even existing in a spiritual realm or even a religious one. So it took me six months. I got into a car accident, maybe December of last year. And I thought, I was supposed to be dead. I had too many chances at, you know, almost slipping past that threshold where I should have been dead. But this last one for me kind of allowed me to find my spirituality. And I'm even still on that journey as well. Um, it's not perfect, but I'm working with it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so with that car accident, I was supposed to be gone, you know, so I woke up, you know, out of that blackout state that I was in almost immediately after it happened. And I was just like, thank you. So from there, it was just like a weight lifted. I feel like whatever the higher power is there, it, it, he was watching over me. So I felt like I had the, when I had the opportunity, I, I was willing to give him the chance that I avoided for so long. That's great. You said a lot of things. Um, you know, your your book cover, the one that I saw had a person in a straight jacket. Yeah. And they were basically wrapped up to where they couldn't move. Exactly. And um, when I looked at that, you know, I was thinking about breaking out of the things that wrap us up, the things that limit us, the things that um, make us so confined to where we we just can't even move. We can barely breathe. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, so many things can do that to a person, you know, um, abuse can, uh, bad choices, being incarcerated. There's so many different things where people feel completely wrapped and bound. And then there does come a time when you realize, okay, there are certain things that I can, I can control. Right. I can control my attitude about things. I can control some of the decisions that I'm making. I can control whether I focus on the positive or the negative. Um, I can control whether I let things go, as you said, you know, or whether I'm holding on to it. Um, and so to me, the breakthrough comes when you start to take your power back and say, okay, I'm going to control the things that I can control. I'm going to choose to focus on the positive. I'm going to choose to you know, uplift myself, whether it's through education, through mental health, through you know, uh, making better choices, getting better friends in my life, getting a better support system. There's so many things we can do. Um, but when you are in the dark, as you said, and choosing to stay in the dark for whatever reason, because you don't feel you can do any better or because you haven't seen anybody do any better, it, it takes that one step towards the light for there to be a breakthrough. And then you just keep moving towards the light. You keep moving towards the light. And, and you mentioned spirituality. Spirituality is, to me, key to that. You know, I'm not a proponent of necessarily any specific religion, but I believe that we are spirits. We have souls and we live in bodies. 
you know, so there's a spiritual aspect to us that needs to be fed. And that also strengthens us because we realize our connection to everything. Um, and, and that we are not alone, that we do have help. We do have uh, even help that we can't see. Like you said, you could have been gone in that car accident. You know, but you had help that you couldn't see that was protecting you, that was saving you, that was keeping you alive. You know, and, and I think there comes a time in many people's lives when they realize I could have been gone. Um, and I'm only here because I have a purpose. I'm here because I was protected. I'm here because I was saved in a sense from death. And and I think that that's one of the moments where many people break through and say, OK, I can't continue to live the way that I have lived. I've been given a second chance. So now I need to change my focus from where it was that led me to that dark place, to that near death experience. And I need to move away from that into, in a sense, the light or my purpose or, you know, the guidance that I'm getting. Um, and I, I, I've seen that with a lot of people, even myself realizing, and then sometimes it happens when people die around you and you, you have to reevaluate and say, okay, I'm still here. I could have been gone. They were gone. They are gone. So what am I going to do with this time? You know, how am I going to make a difference? How am I going to honor the fact that I am still here and that other people are not here? And you know, so we can, um, you know, there's a, this is Women's History Month. And, and I think about the women that came before me and that I need to honor their sacrifice, their legacy, um, and try to, as you were talking about, reach out into the community and be a, a help, a conduit, you know, for, for the community to get better, you know, because we are a light to people who are in the darkness. You know, when they read your book, they can get some, um, in a sense, some encouragement. Okay, he had this happen, he had that happen, but he's moving forward. He's not letting that stop him, you know. Um, and so what would you say to people who are trying to, in a sense, move from the darkness <laughs> into the light? Um what, what would be some of the things that you feel helped you or that could help someone kind of move from that darkness into the light? I would first of all say, I don't think you should put a time limit on healing because it takes, and it's different for everyone else. Like again, it took me six months ago and I'm 30. So again, that time limit that you put on yourself is added pressure. Um, so for me, it took, you know, again, the writing, I enjoy music. You know, that's one of the things that actually has kept me, you know, in line um, along well with the writing. But again, with the kids, um, I had to keep a positive mind for myself. So, you know, everyone doesn't have kids that are going through this, but you have something or someone around you that could be that like shoulder, that pillar, that pillow you need when you need to talk to someone. But even just like engaging in like, things by yourself sometimes finding peace being able to entertain yourself is okay a lot of time for a lot of us adults because we don't mind being alone it's quiet you know we're in our own zone and that's our zen for that moment um also i did start to get into like meditation it's beautiful 
um, something as well. I, you know, kind of thrown off for about 20 plus years. And, you know, I was stubborn, you know, going through a lot of like illnesses, you're stuck in your ways, anger issues, bipolar disorders and things like that. You don't think like, oh, that doesn't work for me. And you've never tried it. You know, mm. I was that I was that guy. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be honest. It's all of us, all black men were this way. It's not, it's not new. It's pretty much kind of something that's, it's just us. And, you know, I was so hard headed, ignoring all of these signs. Like I told myself, it's okay to reroute sometimes, you know, that map is going to take you one way and you've been dealing with it for so long, but it's okay to see what happens if you take this, this side road and see where it takes you. So I had to be able to adjust. Um, after a while so you know being able to tell myself like you don't want to be here the rest of your life being 40 depressed about some stuff that happened to you when you were five six seven eight years old um especially while you're raising kids at the same time because they're going to see that energy they're going to feel your depression um and stuff like that it, it, it's it's it affects everyone around you and it's not something that just you have to deal with so again i told myself like i, I want better for myself you know i took that leap meditation took that leap started a spirituality or a spiritual journey and you know i got uncomfortable and i feel like with all of us black people as well but more specifically black men we have to get uncomfortable and see what it's like if we just take a little right on that that next road up ahead you know i like a lot of things that you said you know and and as someone who was abused as a child, you know, one of the things that I learned in therapy, I used to have flashbacks, right? Right. Definitely. And my therapist said, okay, you can feel sometimes when you're getting ready to go into a flashback, you can feel like you get tense, you're, you start to have these images come to you. And she was like, just change one thing, just change one thing in the flashback to give yourself power. Um, mm -hmm. Make that person smaller who was attacking mm -hmm. you, you know, Picture an angel in the room who's going to, you know, kind of comfort you when it's over. Picture yourself in the room telling that little you, hey, you got through this. This is not yeah. happening now. This is in the past. It's over. You know, you, you, you survived, you know, and one of the things that I I did this meditation and um, I pictured myself young, kind of like cowering in a corner, sitting under like a table, kind of just scared and hurt and lonely. And I went to myself and I just gathered myself and I said, you know what? There are things that happened to you. And I was patting myself. There are things that happened to you and it wasn't right. It wasn't right. It was wrong. But you know what? I'm here now and I'm going to take care of you and we're going to heal from all of that. And we're going to let all of that go. And we're going to let all of that just fade into the background because it's over. It can't hurt you anymore. And, and I'm here for you. And if you want to talk about it, I'm going to listen. If you want me to write about it, I'm going to write, you know, for you. If you want to draw about it, let's get it all out and then let's let it go. You know, and I would do those little meditations with myself because we're talking about breakthrough. Sometimes you need to acknowledge that part of yourself that was hurt and say, yes, you were hurt. And, and I'm not denying it was it, that it hurt you, that it scared you, that it made you feel the world was unsafe. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, but I'm here now. I'm the adult now. And I can help you deal with that by 
you know, helping you work through those emotions and that fear and that trauma and letting it go, you know? And, and so I wrote a lot about those things and, and I would actually, I actually got rid of all those journals. I don't have any of them anymore because once I wrote it down, I let it go. Another thing that I did that was very helpful to me, um, I, I, I believe in nature. I believe nature has cycles. So I would actually write things down that I wanted to release and I would get like a little pot or something. I would go outside and I would burn it, you know, under the moonlight and, you know, and just, okay, I'm, I'm releasing this as the smoke goes up, I'm letting this go. You know, I'm letting this go. One of the things that I did with a group of people at the beginning of this year, which was beautiful, we actually did a balloon ceremony and we actually wrote on little pieces of paper all the stuff from 2021 that we were going to let go and we were not going to uh, carry into 2022. And we stuck it inside the balloon and then we let the balloons go and we watched it go up into the air. That's awesome, actually. I like that. You know, and, and as you, the, the point of it, you were supposed to kind of see like, like the string of the balloon, like pulling whatever was out of you. Mm -hmm. So as the farther away it went from you, the farther away those thoughts and feelings and ideas and experiences, we're just letting them go. And we're letting, you know, we're just letting them go. Another thing that I've done is I take walks in nature sometimes and I picture as I'm walking that I'm shedding all of this negativity and I'm letting it go into the ground because the ground can deal with crap. Crap becomes fertilizer in the ground. You know what I'm saying? And I just picture all of the negativity kind of going off of me into the ground and fertilizing as I'm walking. So it's becoming something positive rather than something negative. Right. You know, so those are some things that I've done. Um, and the people that are listening, they might be some things that you want to do because they're, they're, the mind is so powerful. Exactly. And, and when we are, when we, allow ourselves to use visualization, you know, it's, it's a powerful thing or even picturing, picturing yourself out in the sunshine and picturing the sun just bathe you in it's, in it's warmth and burn off any of that negativity that might be hanging on you. So that if you have this cloud of negativity hanging on you, it's just kind of burned off in the sun. So there's a lot of visualizations that you can do to kind of help yourself feel that release of the negativity, you know, and, and just, just let it go, you know? Sure. So, so that's something that I've done. Um, so as you were writing, did you feel kind of a catharsis of getting rid of some of this negativity and putting it into perspective? I think that was the hardest part having to, you know, tell yourself, this is going to be the last book. You're going to let it all go after this. And then while you're writing the process entirely of even like planning a chapter, knowing this chapter might be a big trigger for you. It's the whole business side of what being an author is. So you have to go through the steps. You have to do a blueprint. You have to do this, this, and that. And so after going into a few chapters, there were a few chapters that actually did make me kind of break down into like full-blown tears sometimes. Um, just having to relive it through the, the pain that I'm trying to release the trauma through, you know, and I felt like when I was able to finish the chapter, it did feel like your balloon release. But for me, it was more like, 
I've never talked about it out loud before. So it's not just a release. It's just me reliving it for like the first time allowed for myself. And it was rough that way. So um, also having to actually, you know, think most days, like, do I want to take this chapter out or um, do I want to take some of this out to, you know, save myself the judgment? You know, that's a lot of things that I had to think about, you know, in the process, but I'm telling myself, like, you're doing this for a certain reason. It's not just about you. I mean, it's about you, but it's not just for you. Um, so I, I, it was a times where I had to challenge myself. You know, there are a lot of chapters missing from even this book um, that I felt like I could have just let go myself instead of having to, you know, announce it. Um, but a lot of those chapters, it, it was easy. It was fun, but I'm done with it. The chapters are finished and I feel like I might take your idea and go in the backyard sometime tomorrow and burn that book for myself. So. Well, we had a comment that showed up. Um, Ray um, Hyer, who is one of my Facebook friends, said, great episode. Healing is so needed and important to be great and walk in your purpose. As a community, we must keep striving for healing. So thank you for that comment, Ray. Thank and, you. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to piggyback on what you said, because I just wrote a memoir and I didn't want to write the book. I didn't want to write the book. Um, I had, people have been telling me I should write a poetry book. I should write a memoir for about seven years. And I was like, no, I'm, I'll write a poetry book. I will, but not right now. Not right now. Not right now. Um, doing all this other stuff. And then um, my mom's birthday, October 3rd, I woke up and my mom passed, you know, two years ago. And I woke up and I was so stuck. I felt this stuckness like, okay, she's not here. Um, what do I do with this day? Um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with myself right now. And, and if it really felt like I don't know what I'm supposed to do with myself, period. Even though I have like 50 million things on my to-do list, it just felt like I was so stuck. Mm-hmm. And I did not even know like what I was going to do with the day, like how I was going to get out of bed. I just felt like stuck, stuck, just really feeling the stuckness. And I, I just heard this voice inside of me say, okay, it's been seven years since your divorce and you need to reflect. You need to go back to that day and you need to come all the way forward and you need to reflect on everything that's happened and you need to write about it and deal with it and come to grips with all the changes that have happened in your life Mm -hmm. Uh, because you are going to be stuck until you have gone back and come all the way forward so that you can actually move forward. And I sat down in my computer and I started writing and I wrote for five hours straight. And then I didn't know what I was writing and I thought I was just going to be writing for me, to be honest. I wasn't even thinking about writing a book. But then when I look back at what I wrote, I was like, oh, I'm writing the book that everybody says I should write. Okay. (laughs) And then once I started, that question was there. Should I be completely honest? Should I keep Because again, judgment, okay, you know, I'm a woman, I'm going to be talking about getting divorced, I'm going to be talking, I mean, people going to judge me about that, possibly, I'm going to be talking about dating after divorce, people could judge me about that, I'm going to be talking about situations that happen in my family, you know, and of course, I'm trying to keep, I'm telling my story, but not everybody else's story, I don't need to tell everybody else's business, I'm going to tell my business, you know what I'm saying, so yeah, there is that. How honest am I going to be? And then, then I really felt like, okay, for this to be real, 
it needs to be as raw as I can make it. It needs to be as real as I can make it. Because number one, if the purpose is for me to really reflect, then I really need to reflect and I need to be really honest. Um, and so, and again, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's challenging. And there were days when I cried. Oh my gosh, I cried and cried and cried because there were traumatic things that happened. You know, I lost 11 people in the last seven years and I cried and cried and cried. But then there was also the feeling of, okay, I'm honoring our connection and I'm honoring their input into my life. And I'm giving, I'm showing how I got to this breakthrough. Right. This breakthrough that I have, I cannot take credit for it alone. It is because of my mother. It is because of my father. It's because of my friends. It's because of men that I dated. It's because of spirituality and going to classes at the Shrine of the Black Madonna. It's because of performing. It's because of my fans. It's I have to give credit to everybody because, you know, there's a saying, no man is an island. <laughs> and we many times grow because of other people, you know. Right that are helping us come out of the dark, as you said. They're helping us see ourselves differently. They're helping us um, challenge ourselves. You know, I've had some friends kick me in the butt and say, you know, girl, stop wallowing, stop doing it. You know, what are you talking about? You know, you said you were gonna do such and such and such. Why hasn't it been done yet? <laughs> Those are good friends. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking also as an author, you know, it, it people push you. Hey, where's Definitely. that book you said you were writing? Now I wrote this last book really fast, but you know, people push you. Hey, aren't you aren't you supposed to be finishing the book? When is it coming out? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So um when you were writing Course 28 and, and the sequel, did you see that there were people possibly that had helped you or um supported you? as you were trying to kind of become who you are trying to become? Were there people that you saw as instrumental? Um, definitely. I would say at the time, and even through my problems, because again, going through foster care, you don't really have your biological family. And then me writing about the, you know, living with the adoptive parents, disliking them them disowning you after you release the book i've pretty much been in a nutshell on my own for a very long time um but i do have you know a best friend of 15 years she's amazing um she's the one person like if i'm in the middle of a chapter and i break down be like best friend can you read this for me please because i don't know how it should proceed and she'll give me the feedback i want like she if she says she doesn't like it or it's you're giving them too much best friend and I'll, you know, keep all that in context, but she's definitely one of them. Also my kids and my girlfriend as well, my fiance, my wife as well. So um, she's been there more physically with me going through the motions of the bipolar, the anger. So she's seen what I write, she, she lived it. So a lot of it is just her having to exist with me while I, you know, heal myself. But other than that, I don't really have friends i don't really have family besides my again wife and kids and my best friend but other than that that's just how i try i chose for it to be that way it's peace for me as well so when i share my work with them it's probably because i they mean a lot and enough to me to be able to just give them this craft and 
whether it's received and they don't like what they read because it could be too much or, you know, it's good and they just can't wait for it to drop because my best friend has pushed me beyond measures, especially in this past six months. But it took me about, I think it took me six months with this book. And then the first book, it took like five months to write. And when I'm telling you, I wrote about 12 hours a day. That's me doing a first shift at like a job and then coming home. And all I could think about is just typing. So, you know, I would have my best friend and, you know, my wife at the time, girlfriend at the time. And there was a big push to be like, no, you know, people need to read these stories. Don't just feel like you have to leave stuff out. And, you know, that was a lot of reasons why I did put as much as I did in my book. You know, it kind of got to a point where people were talking about lawsuits and all of this other weird stuff. But, you know, my truths, you know, you can't try to sue me for my truths. And that's just how I put it out there. So, you know, you had those people, oh, you shouldn't talk about your adoptive parents and stuff like that. While I got the two women in my life that really mean something to me saying otherwise so i'm going to listen to them versus just what people that know my adoptive parents you know what they think of them you know you haven't lived inside the household so you're only judging because you think they're nice well read this book get a chance to live what i've lived through and a lot of people have you know come to my side a little bit and i didn't write it to get sides it was just you know my i got my truths out so again as long as those two women and my kids in my life are able to you know understand me for who i am you know the wrongs i've done the man i am today i kind of you know hold that them at a higher standard because they're like the queens of my world you know i can't really fault them for anything you know again they've lived through the darkness that i've lived with all my life with me so they're they are the light so it's been a good run with all of them yeah, I mean, you, when you're writing truth, you know, um, sometimes it's hard for people to deal with. And um, in my book, I use nicknames for many people. I, I hid their identities in a sense. I changed a few details. So um, <laughs> to try to protect, and I put that at the very beginning as a disclaimer that there, there are nicknames and some identifying characteristics have been changed to protect identities, but the story is true. You did that and you just started writing. I think at the time for myself, and I wish I could have did what you did actually with with less anger because I got out of jail. I think it was 2019 for a child support order um, pettiness. I was doing so good and I was telling my, my wife at the time, like, I'm doing so good. I haven't been in jail prison in about two, three years. I've been so consistent. And I promised myself I would never go back in 2019 and I'm working. Everything life is probably the best time I've ever had in my 30 years of existing and I get locked up for about a weekend for like a small amount of child support money or whatever. And I got out and the book wasn't even an idea before I went. I wasn't thinking about writing anything, but I was so pissed, so angry that I had to live back in these little walls, these little cells. It triggered me like I started talking to myself again. Uh, schizoaffective started showing. Uh, depression got worse, couldn't sleep, you know, even just for a week in those two days, it sparked so much trauma in my head based off of those two, three previous years in jail or whatever. So I got out and I started writing in anger 
and I started writing about everyone who had a fault in why I feel the way I had did currently at the time. So when I kind of went into it, I didn't give a disclaimer. It was more of just my introduction to Course 28. Like some people I'll hide names, other people I'm just gonna, I'm putting you out there because you've done, you know, those are the people that did the most damaging, you know, my adoptive parents, my first black family that I've ever lived with through foster care. Um, so I put that in, I put that energy out there because they took so long for like, to kind of finally admit their wrongs over the years. So when I kind of brought it to them, they would say things like, oh, he was just joking when he said that to you as a kid or deny it. So I, I went into my book with the intent that I hope I could piss you off. 50 year old parents that have taken me through this madness for the past 20 years and stuff like that. So I enjoyed it. There was nothing that I would say I didn't mean you know, 95% of the book was all facts besides my little creativity as an author in there, but I meant it all. I wouldn't regret taking out their real names. You know, I used last names. I didn't use first, you know, but it was enough for them to, you know, cut me off two years ago. So I enjoyed it. I don't think um, as a person that has been dealing with so much stuff and, and we give a lot of credit to people by excusing behaviors, in today's society, and I feel like, especially Black parents, they don't like to own up to their wrongs. And I felt like coming up as a five-year-old in foster care, dealing with mental and physical abuse of Black families here in this case, to, you know, not being able to own up, I'm 25 today, and you're still excusing yourself like you're never going to grow up and you're about to be 50. So I got to that point where I was just like, I'm not excusing your behavior. And that's when these books started to happen. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's there's always that conundrum of, OK, do I forgive? Do I confront? Um, some people say I need to confront and then forgive. Um, I think forgiveness is a powerful thing for yourself just to let it go and, and, and move on. Um, and to you know, just to be able to see things, you know, when we're children, we see certain things and we get to be adults and we see things differently. We, especially when you have kids, there's questions like, how did this person do this? You know, this was a child. Why would they do or say this? You know, when you're looking at your children and you're wanting to protect them from everything and, and never wanting them to go through some of the things that you went through, it, it kind of makes it even harder to understand um, how some people are able to do certain things that are damaging to children. You know, but, you know, for me, um, my my goal was to realize that I can't always understand why people do the things they do. And as much as there were people that I wanted to, as you say, take responsibility and accountability, I realized that uh, I may never get that. And, and so I can't continue to be angry or continue to be frustrated about that. I have to make my peace with it and just move on and, and realize again that I am who I am and they are who they are. And those two right. things have nothing to do with each other. You know what exactly. I mean? And, and, um, so so that was one thing, you know, I think there's a, a separation, an individuation that comes when you're healed, when you don't necessarily need that 
validation of yes, you you acknowledge that you did this. You know, it's like I know, <laughs> I know the truth. I know what happened, um, and I've I've told you how I feel about it. And so now that I've said my piece, um, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on and and let that go. And again, talking about breakthroughs, you know, just what I think the focus many times has to be on the person. What do you need to heal? What do you need? What do you really need? Because sometimes we think we need things like we want that person to apologize, but we don't really need that. You know, we we want it. You know, we want them to uh, be accountable and, and acknowledge, but we don't really need that. You know, so what we really need is everything that goes on with us. We need to heal. We need to move forward. We need to release and let go we may need to get therapy. We may need to reframe certain things, you know, take back our power over certain things. Um, and so I've, I've spent some time really thinking, okay, what do I really need? And what, did, what, what is just a want? Okay. I'm gonna let the want go. Cause I'm not getting the want, but I'm, I'm gonna do what I need. Exactly. So how can people uh, get your book? Where can they find your book or both of your books? Both of my books. Um, actually the uh, first the first course 28 a memoir of mental health is no longer on any platforms um again this second book here is a deluxe so what i haven't pretty much mentioned to my uh, followers yet is part one is in this second book gotcha. so you get you get the whole shebang in one book with the chapters in it but if you want to order it you can go to yes he writes y-e-s-h-e-w-r-i-t-e-s dot com and there you can select the hard cover or you can select the soft cover. And if you want it signed, there's a section where you can add a signature to the card as well. If you do not choose, because, you know, we have a lot of older people that don't know how to operate Internet. We do also accept Cash App, which is at Yes, He Writes as well. Um, and if you would like to find me on any social media, if you feel like you're stressed one day, uh, you just need someone to talk to. I am that guy. I my 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 door is open anytime, and you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Yes He Writes, or you can look at the bottom of the screen here. It says MS Deirdre. Um, that's my fan page. Again, I'm open to talk, or if you want to ask questions about mental health in general, that's the one source you can find me, and I will always respond. I promise. Awesome, awesome. And I saw that you have a publishing house. Yeah, I'm I'm learning how to structure that side of the business. Um, it's Deirdre's okay. Publishing House or Deirdre Publishing House. So um, I'm the first Arthur that we have. But again, I'm trying to work my way in. You know, I'm still learning. I have I'm far from perfection or whatever, you know, the end of the line is for myself. But yeah, we're working. We're trying to get some things for the publishing house up and running so we can fully get out there for ourselves. But yeah, it's a work in progress. Okay. Well, I mean, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I applaud people who are moving forward and trying to, you know, get their voices out there, especially uh, trying to help the black community heal and deal with um, issues of, of trauma and, and move out of, as we said, the darkness into the light exactly. and yes, break through and, and move from negativity to positivity, you know, and, and writing is one way to do that. And I actually have, oh, I actually have two books. This is my guided journals, Energize Your Life, uh, which for the audience, you can get it on Amazon. Um, and this is actually my memoir, which is called Plenty of Guppies and Other Dating Misadventures. 
And so um, they both were on the bestsellers list. Plenty of Guppies is still on the bestsellers list. Number, what is it? Day number 23 at number one in Native American poetry. Number four in American poetry. <laughs> wow. I'm oh, trying to get you. like you. <laughs> <laughs> I got well, a lot of work to do to get to that. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I have to give credit to uh, Million Dollar Pen Inc., who was my, my editor, my publisher. She helped me do a lot of stuff to get to where I am, you know, because there was a whole lot of work involved in trying to move up, you know, the rankings. Uh, and she had some experience in, in publishing, you know, so she helped me to get all my ducks in a row, in a sense, and, and get things the way I needed to have them to, to move up the rankings. So. But I wanted to thank you for coming on um, and tell them again where they can find your book and the, the title of your book, because we're going to wrap up in just a second. Uh, you can find Course 28. It continues on YesHeWrites.com or on any of my social media sites uh, at YesHeWrites. All right. And I am Zenashe, Z-E-N-A-S-E. -E, so you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, on LinkedIn. Um, so everything on YouTube. Um, and please follow, you know, me, um, subscribe to Zenergy. And you can listen to all kinds. We have 73 other episodes on a lot of different topics, self-help topics, self-development topics, all positive, motivational, trying to get people to live their best lives. So um, thank you guys for joining us and may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. Zenashe, a newly divorced 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern-day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children.